You're listening to the Team Science Podcast. For all those who are listening for the first time, welcome to the Team Science Podcast. My name is Benjamin. I'm currently a Vice Principal and Head of Science in the Northwest, and I set up Team Science at the end of 2017 as a vehicle to try and help stimulate dialogue and discussion between all those who are involved within science education and to try and bring the science teaching community closer together through the online network. We've also tried to give all the great ideas and discussions that so many of you have day in and day out as much publicity as possible. Welcome to episode one, all about finding free resources. We're at the time of the year now where we're trying to support pupils and staff on the run-up to the summer exams. And at the time of recording this, we're only 37 days away, which can either be exciting or depressing, depending on which side of the fence you're on. We want to share some of the free resources and also the people behind them uh, in this episode today to try and help staff, to try and point them in the right direction. So hopefully some of these systems, videos, tools can be embedded from September for a full range of years within your particular school context. At this point, I'd like to introduce our guest. So today we're joined by Jen, uh, so better known as Primrose Kitten, um, using used through YouTube and through Tez Resources. So morning, Jen. Morning. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. So most of our listeners probably know who you are. I was uh, having a bit of a retrain online and on YouTube you have over 50,000 subscribers and I know your resources on Tez have reached over 120,000 people. Um, would you mind just telling us just a little bit about your current role in education? Um, so I've just had my second baby. So my maternity leave has just finished um, and I'm not going back to school after my maternity leave. Okay. So what I'm doing now is just making... Um, YouTube videos, writing resources, just doing what I've been doing, really. Perfect. And what's your background like up until this point in terms of the sector you taught in and so on? Um, so I taught um, secondary, started off as a chemistry teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in school that I was in, there was a shortage of physics teachers. So I did a subject knowledge enhancement course. Yeah. Um, so then I started teaching physics as well. Um, and then I started teaching maths as well. So perfect. Bit of a mixed bag. I like that. That's good. So, um, thanks for coming on the podcast. This is our first one ever. So it's exciting for us. So thanks very much for your time this morning. Um, first one was what kind of took you down the route of deciding YouTube and, you know, resources that was something you wanted to go in? Was it to kind of supplement your teaching? Was it something you wanted to do as a complete standalone separate to help others? What was that? What kind of brought that decision about? So four years ago, when I was on my first maternity leave, Mm -hmm. um, when I was like doing my kit days and started to go back, I could see my students needed a bit more support. Um, So I started um, like writing some stuff for them, sending it through to the school. um, And I was linking out to um, a YouTube channel, which um, unfortunately, at the exact time that they needed it, went behind a paywall. Okay. Um, so I started making my own YouTube videos just for my students, just for my year 11s, um, physics I was teaching at the time. Um, and then when a few months later, when I was back in school, when it came around to exam period, um, I was still making these videos, but I noticed that other people were watching them. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where quite a lot of people were watching them. And like students from all over the country started asking for this video, started asking for like worksheets and notes and stuff. So it was just like, I started off doing it for my students I saw every day yeah. and then my kind of like 
class of students expanded and now my class of students is like over 50,000. I was going to say it has taken off massively. Now when you first did them for your pupils was it uh, with a view to use them in class and you kind of go through the videos with them or was it more I'll give you the links and you can look at it in your own time like how did you initially intend it to be used? So I initially started basically setting them homework so I would write them a worksheet and then instead of like, because um, I wasn't actually in school at the time, instead of taking it in and marking it, mm-hmm. I would make videos going through the worksheet. So I would do kind of like, you know, really complicated, like maths and physics. I would take them through how to analyze the question, take mm-hmm. them through like how to work out which equations to use, how to do the maths, how to lay out the answer so that um, they could get all the marks in the exams. And then I just turned that into a video. And it started off really simply with kind of like pen and paper at the beginning. And then I transitioned to using my iPad. Um, and that that worked really, really well. And that sort of thing is really good in class for differentiation. Yeah, definitely. So I could like put the videos that I'd made up on the whiteboard. There'd be a little competition like who can work out the answer faster than I could. And then while like half the class are doing that, I could take a small group of class who are really struggling and do kind of like one-on-one intervention with them. Yeah. While at the same time, I, by video, was also teaching the rest of the class. Okay, so a tool to try and either push those or support others while you moved around was one of the main ones. That's interesting. Yeah, it was like I was making two me's because, you know, in the classroom, we never have enough hands. We never have enough time. We never have enough people to help. So this was just kind of like trying to duplicate myself so I could do twice as much in the classroom. Perfect. Always a strength, I think. Now, I've looked at some of the videos and I've seen there's obviously... There's hundreds of them. And some of the ones I kind of picked out where you had like whole topics in 30 minutes. I've seen there's some exam paper and techniques. Um, I see you've done some of the practicals as well. And also kind of a, that studying, revising, mindfulness. Are there any of those that kind of really resonate and you've maybe got more feedback than others uh, based on, you know, certain types of videos you put out there? So the ones that are really popular with students um, aren't necessarily what I think are the best videos. So like the whole topic in an hour or two hours, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like it skims over stuff very, very quickly. Like they like the night before the exams, those videos will be you know, hugely, hugely popular. Yeah. Um, so those are the videos that the students like. The videos that I would like them to watch are kind of like, you know, my 45 minutes of titration calculations because everyone needs to practice titration. Yeah, you can't get enough of those. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you, I know you noticed you said earlier, you know, uh, it can kind of duplicate you in the classroom and it means that others can go through your videos while you're working with another group of pupils. If there were teachers out there listening to this that wanted to do similar for their class or like you have beyond, kind of what tips would you give them in terms of are there any pitfalls, uh, any software? Is it really simple and easy to get started? So what kind of tips would you give to someone who wanted to do something similar to you, but for their own classes? It is so easy to get started. The very first videos I made, I made with um, a clamp stand, uh, my iPhone and a pen and paper. Mm -hmm. And it's where I clamped my phone above the pen and paper and I wrote the answers on a bit of paper. Um, And these were kind of like, you know, worksheets I'd set as homework. I would then go through the answers and then expect the students to hand in a marked and corrected bit of work. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get slightly more sophisticated. So I currently use um, an app called Explain Everything on my iPad. That's just like a virtual whiteboard. Um, It's exactly the same as writing on a whiteboard, except I do it at home. Um, It's really easy to turn PowerPoint slides into a video. If you set up transitions and then save it as a movie, Mm -hmm. um, you can then upload that for your students. Um, 
the one thing I will say is that you do not make money from YouTube. No. It doesn't happen anymore. Um, so if someone does want to make their own YouTube channel, um, don't expect to get any money from it. Yeah, so correct if I'm wrong, is the only way that you could like monetize it from ads and clicks and so on? Is that how the YouTube system works in terms of... So, getting- yeah, so YouTube put ads on front of videos and yeah. then if someone watches it for 30 seconds, then... I think it's, it's like it's a 45-55 split between me and YouTube, but I can't remember which way around it is. Sure. Um, and with 50, over 50,000 subscribers, I get enough money each month to go out for dinner. Okay. Like, it is not a replacement for a full-time job. Yeah, so it's not an alternative uh, income kind of stream for somebody, more just to help the pupils in the class and beyond, really. Yeah, it's to help the pupils. I will say it is quite addictive. Yeah. Um, and it is a lot of fun. And you do get loads and loads of positive interactions. But if you are going to publish something um, publicly for everyone else to see, you also get quite a lot of negative interactions as well. Yeah, I can imagine there's always going to be that both sides of the fence, aren't there? Those viewpoints of this was really useful or you got this wrong or don't think this works. But yeah, I guess that comes with the territory of it all. Now, in terms of when you're putting your videos together, what kind of planning do you put in beforehand? Is it kind of done on a, you know, you'll print a question out and just kind of talk through it? Or are there areas where you're like, maybe you're a bit less confident in something and you need to do a bit of kind of research or reading behind mark schemes? Or I know you do things between different specifications. Is there a lot of, you know, pre-planning that has to go into your videos? Oh, loads. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly like I would do a lesson. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, you do all the research, you prepare the resources, and then like the actual making videos, like teaching the lesson, yeah. um, and the video is as good as the preparation that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, then. So we've obviously gone quite a bit there on like your YouTube presence as Primrose Kitten and so on. Can you tell us like how you've prepared resources and how you use the Tez resource system? And for those who are listening, I'm sure you probably already know, but. Uh, Tez is an online kind of uh, repository where people can upload their own resources and you can either uh, give them away for free or you can kind of put a, a premium on them and Tez takes a cut of it as well as you do. So kind of how do you how do you work that system? How's that different or similar to your YouTube? Um, so quite a lot of stuff I do. So like I've done a big um, revision guide which is available for free and that like turns the specification into something that students can interpret and then, then that links out to all the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I kind of like write them together. Okay. So if I'm writing like a series of um, questions, like a series of maths questions for physics, then I'll just write the worksheet as well because, you know, I've written the video, writing the worksheet, I might as well do that and just put that up as well. Yeah, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Are there any um, are there any benefits with, you know, that test uh, that's online? Like I can see some in terms of it's, it's very easy to search for material and find a whole range of them. Do you find any benefits over the worksheets that you put out through TES compared to YouTube? Is there anything better from using that system? Um, I think students still like having a physical copy of things. They mm-hmm. still like having something they can hold. So they like the videos because they can watch them, um, but they still like, you know, having an actual bit of paper they can write on. They still like, you know, having a revision guide that they can color in. Mm-hmm. They still like having something in front of them. Sure, yeah, I think I think it's true. I think it's the same with teachers as well. It doesn't matter how much I use my online calendar. Sometimes I like having that diary to physically write and highlight things in. I don't think yeah. that changes. Um, what about some downsides then maybe of TES? We were speaking before we had this discussion, you know, through Twitter. Um, any cons of the TES system, either from yourself as an author or maybe from a teacher's point of view as, you know, actually downloading content? Um, so there are a couple of things. Um, one of them is 
you know, I write resources, I spend a lot of time doing it, and I do sell some of them. But the way the test price things makes it that there's no point selling anything for less than three pounds because mm. they will punish you heavily for it. The other thing is um, reviews. Sure. So few people leave reviews on the TES that when you're looking at something that has, you know, that somebody's charging for, you don't want to pay for something and not know whether it's going to be actually any good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so just look at my numbers. Um, I've had 126,000 downloads of my resources and 202 reviews. Mm-hmm. And, and have, have you taken any of those reviews, have they caused you to change anything? Like, have you taken them on board or are they kind of not very useful in terms of feedback? So some, some, the majority of them aren't very useful because people will just say kind of like, um, like leave no comment or they'll say kind of like, oh, this is rubbish or this is good. But, you know, as teachers, we are experienced at giving proper feedback. Yeah. So if as a community we started doing that when we left reviews on or start leaving more reviews in TS and when we did that say this was good but it could be better if or um giving more information to other teachers so kind of like um this didn't have the answers with it or um this took 15 minutes or this is good it took up a whole hour of time it really extended my students mm-hmm. so giving other um people who are looking to download stuff on the TES a bit more information about what there is in there to kind of expand on the description um and if we kind of like started building that up that would really really help everyone who's looking to download stuff yeah I agree so uh, especially if you've had something downloaded 120 plus thousand times maybe uh, getting some more formative feedback for the authors out there would be useful um, okay, so what we're going to do is at the end of all of our podcasts, we're going to ask all of our guests the same three questions. Now, you've not seen any of these, so don't panic. Right. But uh, we're just, it, we thought it'd be a fun way to kind of speak to people from different backgrounds and see how they kind of you know, have those common themes running throughout. So the first one was, uh, if you could make a 30-second advert or announcement that went out to all staff rooms on Monday morning, what kind of things would it include in it? So every teacher on Monday is going to hear this 30-second message. What kind of things would you include? Um, I would say, I think I'll try to be kind of like, you know, positive reinforcements that Mm -hmm. the lesson you have planned is good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to slog away trying to make every single resource absolutely perfect. What you've done is good enough. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. The second of the three, what advice would you give yourself at the beginning of your career? Now this could be teaching or the starting out kind of, you know, this resource making uh, aspect of it. What advice would you give yourself at the beginning? I would probably give myself exactly the same resort, um, exactly the same advice. I used to spend hours and hours like uh, trying to get the right fonts, trying to get pictures in exactly the right place for all of my worksheets, trying Mm. to make everything absolutely perfect. Whereas I didn't need to make everything absolutely perfect. If the content of the worksheet or the content of the resources is, if the the basis, if foundations are good enough, then it is good enough. It doesn't need to look amazing and be all um, absolutely sparkly as well. Yeah, I agree. I I find like I'm in my ninth year of teaching now and definitely as time's gone on, the amount of hours I invest in the slides goes down, but you try, you're becoming more of like a rock star in the classroom and using something much more minimal and getting it across to the pupils in a more engaging, fun kind of way. Okay. okay. And the last one was, um, 
What thing do you always tell your non-teacher friends is the best part of your job? Or if you were to meet one of your non-teacher friends this weekend, what would you tell them is the best part of your job? Oh, it's the interaction with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, they're, they're fantastic. They are so um, engaging and funny and positive. Yeah, it's the interaction with the students. Perfect. That's a really good one. Okay, so um, a little call to arms now. Where can listeners get more information about the uh, content that you make on YouTube or through TES? Um, my website would be where I try and organise everything into mm-hmm. nice, neat little um, lists because everyone loves a list. Yeah. And that's primrosekitten.com. Perfect. And where can people find out more about you on social media? Uh, primrose underscore kitten on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Perfect. And we'll include all that information in the description of the podcast. And if there's anyone listening on the Anchor app to this, then feel free to leave us a voicemail or question. And I'll make sure I send those over to uh, Jen after this has gone out. So uh, I'd like to thank you, Jen, for taking the time to speak with us on this first ever Team Science podcast. And um, hopefully we can share the free resources message to the millions of listeners. I'm fingers crossed, hoping getting in the coming months. So thanks ever so much for your time, Jen. Lovely. Thank you. We'd like to thank you for downloading this podcast and a special thanks for everyone who made this particular episode possible. If you want to find out more about team science or any of the topics that we've discussed in this episode, you can find all the details over on our website, which is teamscienceedu.co.uk, or you can go to our Twitter page at teamscienceedu.